it's an absolute skill and you really need to you know commit to practicing it's a bit like if you meditate if anybody out there meditates then you can you can do meditation and sometimes you're not too sure if the meditation's working or not but if you stop meditating then you know that you've stopped you know so but it does take a commitment to practice um, these things Hello and welcome back to Series 2 of The Smart Revolution, a podcast dedicated to oral health promotion with a mission to inspire dental hygienists, dental therapists and the dental profession in your career. I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist and the poignant dental professional I have the pleasure of interviewing this week is Flo Cooper who is a dental hygienist from Dundee in Scotland. I have invited Flo back onto the show, as since qualifying from Dundee Dental School in 1997, she has fulfilled such a dynamic career path that is partially covered in Episode 4 of Series 1 of the Smile Revolution podcast. In Episode 4 of Series 1, Flo shared so many relevant topics that we identified we wanted to discuss further. Due to Flo's extensive experience and knowledge around multiple topics, such as the business of dentistry after training in the US, facial aesthetics, as well as topics such as NLP, which we have chosen to speak about today. With her wealth of experience and expertise, it is my absolute pleasure to have Flo Cooper back onto the podcast. On today's show, Flo speaks about NLP at length and we delve into some of the work that she has written on NLP. From listening to this podcast, you will gain a greater understanding about NLP and how it has been applicable to Flo in her career. You will also hear about a few examples of ways you can utilise NLP with your patients. Despite personally having a real interest in behavioural change and communication, I now know after recording the podcast, I definitely need to embark on learning more about NLP to support my communication as a dental therapist. You are definitely going to want to learn more about NLP after this recording. Through listening to our conversation, I hope you learn, gain inspiration and ideas for furthering your career paths, supporting oral health promotion to achieve oral health for all. But just before we get started, I want to give a huge shout out to Densply Serona. This podcast is brought to you by Densply Serona who share a vision to promote a lifetime of oral health around the world through driving prevention to empowering hygienists and dental therapists and the dental profession. And this podcast that you are about to hear will certainly empower you as you learn more about NLP and how NLP can serve you as a clinician and your patients. As the partner and sponsor, they have made the dream in my head a reality to be able to bring such valuable conversations to you to empower you and drive prevention and oral health. Along with this series, Densplicerona have released a smart practice course that I am delivering especially for you guaranteed to empower you further and teach you the practical skills of using a Cavatron that I personally believe all Cavatron users need. Visit denseplicerona.com forward slash revolution and scroll down for the tab to register on the special training day at the Denseplicerona Academy and use the exclusive subscriber code SMILE5 to get 50% off. Welcome back to the Smile Revolution podcast flow. Thank you so much for agreeing to come back on the show. It's my pleasure. 
Well, I'm so happy to have you back. For those listeners who have subscribed to the podcast that listen to Series 1, Flo shared such a great insight into her dynamic career path. And there were so many subjects that we discussed within that podcast that we thought we would like to delve into further for you listeners. So one of those subjects was about communication. And in Series 2, we are not just interviewing dental hygienists, dental therapists, dental professionals about career paths. We're also now looking into further specific papers that researchers have written, writers have written, and and so on. And recently, you shared with me some content on NLP. And today for this podcast, we are going to dive straight into this content and look into what you've been writing about NLP. So Flo, can I ask you, what initially sparked your interest in NLP? So I think it was about 2012-ish. Um, I had um, applied to Napier University to do an MSc in coaching um, and I was accepted, but the course didn't go ahead. And at that point, I was actually setting up my own training business. And I think quite often um, there's a thing called imposter syndrome that when you do something, you almost feel underqualified. Very so true. I thought, right, I'm going to yeah, I thought I'm going to do this training, even though I knew how to do it probably with my eyes closed, but I better get a qualification first. So that's what that's why I wanted to get the MSc in coaching. But when that fell through, I thought I need to do something. And I'd always had a bit of an interest in NLP because a couple of colleagues that I've worked with um, had also attended some courses. Um, and so I seeked that out, found um, a really good trainer um, and the rest is history. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that imposter syndrome. We were on a panel the other day discussing this for business owners. It's very oh, common, okay. isn't it? But I, I think in a, common. in a way it can be a good thing because it furthers you on to studying something else. Hence, we're here today discussing yeah. your work on NLP. So what exactly did your NLP training consist of? So um, NLP is an unregulated form of psychotherapy okay so mm. um there's you can you can go on very simple courses for nlp or you can go on more detailed courses right um typically you get nlp practitioner and then you get master practitioner so that's typically the two levels that enable you to go out into the world and coach people using the nlp principles okay um I the the um the course that I attended was um run by a lady Ailey McDonald Hart um and she did it a little bit different in the sense that she did a four day diploma NLP course and that was a really really good way of just going in and finding out a little bit about it getting some practical tips on how to do it um and then if you're into if you are interested, which I, I was at that point, you then go on to do the practitioner level and then you can move on to do the master practitioner level. Now, Ailey's courses were very different than most NLP practitioners in the sense that hers were um, in association with Derby University. So she had she was affiliated with the university. So with doing her courses, you get university credits as well, where I would say most of them aren't. I mean, there may be other ones that I don't know of, but as far as I'm aware and led to believe, I think hers is probably one of the fewer coaching um, programs that are affiliated with the um, university, which meant that there was a lot of um, evidence-based NLP teachings that we were subjected to. Yeah, so it, I felt really, really safe and comfortable in doing her courses um, in comparison to some of the other ones that I had looked at um, at that time. Oh, wow, that's good to know. Yeah. So you did the first four-day diploma? Yeah, so four-day diploma, and then after that, the, the practitioner course, all in all, took around about eight or nine months to do because we had to do papers, we had to do practical tests and things like that. So right. all in all, about eight to nine months. Um, and then time. the master practitioner level, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The master, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was only, um, that was the duration. We maybe attended 
12 to 16 classes okay. for that over over that period. Um, and it was based in Edinburgh. Uh, that's where I did mine. Um, and so, and then after that, you could do the master practitioner, which is similar, but a bit more time, a bit more detail, well, obviously a lot more detailed and with some more time. Yeah. I haven't done that as of yet. I, I stopped at um, practitioner. Um, academia and exams is not really my uh, strongest point. Um, so, yeah, I, I stopped at practitioner, but the, the value that I've had from that has been phenomenal. Amazing. And roughly, how much was the cost? I don't know if you recall to do that in the realm. No, I, I think I spent round about three and a half thousand pounds, possibly. Okay. Maybe slightly more, maybe slightly yeah. less. And I'm but, sure it varies, doesn't it? Yeah. Just to give yeah. the listeners yeah. an idea if they were interested, because... As I'm yeah, sure we're going yeah. to go on to discuss, you know, it's so <laughs> relevant, this, well, NLP for our role as dental hygienists, dental therapists Absolutely. and dental prof professionals. So thanks yeah. so much for sharing that, Flo. That's obviously really insightful and a good place to understand where to start if anyone is interested. Now, Flo, you were practicing and you have been practicing for a number of years prior to being trained in NLP and then after. How do you feel as a clinician, your studies in NLP changed how you worked? So that's that's a really good question. I um I didn't um I I almost stopped practicing as a you know regular practicing hygienist before I did the NLP course because I did it as a tool to help me with my coaching programs. Um, but the reality of it is that I I actually coached teams in helping them with their patients. So by mm. default, I managed to gather a lot of insights into what was working for them compared to what they were doing before. Um, but I, I guess currently, right now, I work with a company called Calcivus. Um, Calcivus is a, an imaging device that's, um, that, that shows early decay. And a lot, so I basically do a bit of sales with them and I, do, I run up some of their education programs as well. So, what, what, one of the interesting things that happened when I started working with Calcibus is when a customer buys the device, part of what I do is I go out, I have my uniform on, and I actually go out and work with their patients. And so what I began to do was I began to share with them um, ways to communicate. And I, I, I began to look at how we communicate for caries prevention. And actually, we're really taught at dental school that sort of, show, tell, do, you know, it's very much, very basic. It's all instructions. And actually what I learned was, you know, caries prevention, it's that caries is the most preventable oral disease that, that is there and it's so yep. frustrating. Um, and I've begun <laughs> to think, right, I wonder how we can communicate that a bit better. So what mm -hmm. I'd begun to do was I began to just sort of twist language, twist some of the words about in, in how it was and, and actually be in a position of observing other clinicians and how they were communicating it. So one of my, um, like, obviously, when you think of demineralization, what's happening there is the tooth is losing calcium ions. So the calcium ions are becoming free, okay? Now, when you think of education, we always speak about putting things in layman's terms, copying patients' words, reflecting back to the patient in their words, okay? Yeah. And yet in caries and in discussions about caries prevention and caries diagnosing, we never, ever, ever mention the word calcium. We speak about demineralization. Right. We speak about reversible. Absolutely. We speak about early, okay? Now, early and reversible are not bad terms at all. However, if you think about the different types of patients that we are dealing with, you will get some patients that you might say you've got that are signs of early tooth decay. And that patient will absolutely sit up and say, well, what do I need to do? What, what, what happens? You know, and they will be really interested because they have a responsibility for themselves. But if you say you've got early tooth decay to a patient who doesn't own their own condition and, and they just turn up every six months, they might go away thinking, oh, it's early like earlier than what, it's such a subjective term. 
So it's actually, it's not a bad term all in all, but it's not a, a perfect term to use with every single patient. So I've begun to then think about, right, look at what's happening in demineral, even the word demineralization. That may mean something to some patients. It may mean nothing to other patients. Now, there's lots of toothpaste adverts that are on the TV, and they do speak about demineralization. So it's not the worst term or the most complicated term, and it is it is out there in media and things. Um, but again, it, it might not mean the same to every person. Yeah. So when, when you really strip it back and you think, right, what, what are we wanting our patient to do? We want our patient to be... We don't want to panic them. We don't want to worry them. But we want them to know the seriousness of this mineral loss of the tooth. And we want yeah. them to know the consequence of it. And so I began to just play around with some words and language. And I began to look at the patients. And I found something that I think works. And it's very, very What's simple. That? <laughs> <laughs> so it's very, very, very simple. It is basically your tooth is losing calcium. Now, if you had said that to me two years or when I was in practicing in clinic, yeah. my, I would have had a gut reaction and I would have thought, I'm not comfortable saying that. It, right. makes, it doesn't sound quite right because we're not taught to say that. No. But actually, Demineralization. if you say that to your patient, yeah. that is, that it's true, that's what's happening. The tooth is losing calcium. So we're not telling a lie, it's fact. The other part of it is, Patients know that calcium's in their teeth because when you think about adverts, if you have a baby, through brochures that are in uh, doctors' waiting rooms, uh, dental waiting rooms, maybe not so much dental, but doctors and you know health advice is ca drink milk, calcium for healthy teeth and bones. People know that. You know it's on adverts. It's there it's in something the they can media. relate to. Absolutely. But we're so focused on the minerals to remineralize the teeth getting yeah. back into the teeth and the demineralization, which of yeah. course is total, you know, how can they relate to it unless they're dental professionals? And exactly. we spend, oh, yeah, I have never said that, Flo. <laughs> thank yeah. you. So thanks for that explanation because essentially it, an NLP has allowed you to revisit your way of speaking to a patient and the profession to help communicate what we are doing for patients to understand further absolutely what we're working on for them to relate to it absolutely i can't wait to learn more so there's, there's there's a there's a second part of that as well that yeah I'll just add in as well so so your tooth losing calcium yes um if if it continues to lose calcium. Yeah. It's likely that this tooth will have to be drilled and filled. So there's a consequence. We need to tell the patient the consequence. Then we're speaking about we really want to change their behavior. We want them to take the responsibility. So rather than us just jumping in and then telling them everything that they've got to do to remineralize the tooth. No one likes we need to ask. We need to ask a question. We need to say, do you want to do what you can to get this tooth strong again? Do you want to do what you can to reduce the need of fillings? Do you want to do what you can to not have the drill? Whatever makes it fits with you and would fit with the patient. Mm. And when the patient says, well, yeah, what do I need to do? Then you've got an engaged patient. And because that is the time that you then impart your education. Until you've got that engaged patient, mm -hmm. the education that you impart is a bit like, you know, these Churchill dogs? It's yeah. Church in, in England, you've got Churchill Insurance. Yeah. Right? It is, it's English, isn't it? Yeah. So, I and you get these, that dog bobbing around in the back of the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just wondered if it was maybe Scottish after I said that. I, thought, well, I, I can crazy. picture I'm sure you can all picture it too, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes that's what our patients do. They're like little Churchill dogs ah. bobbing their heads. Great analogy. Back, you know? Yeah, and, and we need them to, we don't want nodding heads, we want engaged patients. We do, and we so, want their cogs yeah. ticking to think, oh, what can I do, like you've said. So you yeah. use this to bring them round and start utilising their own thought process and work. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you, Flo, for explaining that. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> so now let's delve into this 
even more. What exactly is NLP? Okay. So, um, really, I guess um, to begin with, um, there are many, there are, there are different definitions and there are different um, uses and things of NLP. But right. I guess to begin with, we really need to understand that with knowing that all our behaviour is driven by our subconscious minds. And our subconscious minds are, have been shaped and moulded based on our own experiences of the world. So in essence, right. we all we know we know that we've all got our own individual makeup, okay? Yeah. Now, some of how we are moulded and shaped is really good for outcomes that we want. Yes. And some are detrimental to what we want to achieve. So essentially, um when so new NLP neural like linguistic program is really what it, it it's um is 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 called but the programming element is essentially about it's used in a coaching one-to-one session and it's really about unmolding and reshaping our version of the world that enables us to have the outcomes that we want okay so so and that element is used in a one-to-one coaching um environment where you where the the NLP coach helps to facilitate and support their client through change, oh, and dear. it's fascinating. And it's 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 not comp- the actual techniques are not complex, but it, it, it takes a great skill to be able to do it. Now, when we were training, we used to do a lot of these exercises, and we would work one on one and coach each other. You know, out of problems, it could be something like, um, "I want to." Um, not stop at McDonald's when I'm driving home from work because there might be a trigger that makes you go to McDonald's. You know, there could be simple things versus, you know, I've got a really limiting belief on something that it's holding me back. So there's so many different things. But aside from the change work on this one-to-one coaching element, there's a really powerful practical application that's useful for ourselves and useful for relationships with others. And so in the context of, say, dental hygienist or therapist or actually any team member, it's the communication element of um, NLP. That's really the key that can massively enhance our effectiveness. Um, and I think that's probably the parts that are more relevant to our role is the practical communication elements of, of NLP. So I hope that's kind of described because it's got, it's got so many uses and so many purposes, well, um, really. Well, I loved your description. It's it's quite deep, isn't it? The subconscious yeah. and everything we are today is obviously what's gone on in our past or what shaped us. So to reprogram yeah. that, essentially what we're needing to do on a daily basis in clinic with patients, oral hygiene or their their habits around their oral health um, is all about, I guess, reprogramming. Yeah, this is. Yeah. I mean, and, and and really in education, we yeah we are almost we're we're educating our patients because re, reprogram is in the mm. subconscious, and really I think in a clinical environment we're not really going into that, but we are still we are still able to um, facilitate a patient to change and change the behaviour. Absolutely, you know? so we yeah. are still able to do that, and so yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm very interested. I've always been interested in communication and behavioral change, but I've never studied NLP. So I'm loving this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now, so from a clinical standpoint, as you've just started to broach on at the end of your explanation on NLP, in a clinical setting then, what would you do to incorporate NLP into, say, oral hygiene or changing someone's oral hygiene habits first? Should we start with that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're in a clinical environment, um, so there's a couple of um, there's a couple of presuppositions um, associated with um, NLP and the NLP's got a, it's got about 12 or 14 presuppositions. And basically what that means is if you operate from those presuppositions, right. um, then the, the, the um, result that you get will probably be improved. So I'm going to just name a couple of these because I think if I 
If I list a couple of these presuppositions, yes. it will give us the framework for how we would practically alter um, things in a clinical environment. Well, okay? that sounds great. Okay. Yeah. okay. So let's so, get started. Um, so there's, a, I'm going to do maybe two or three because we've got a big list, but two or three yeah. I think that I are that I think are very relevant to our role mm-hmm. is respect each person's model of the world. Right. Okay. So. Yeah. We all meet people that are very different from us and we can either judge them, which mm. we really shouldn't do, no. or, or place judgment on, which we shouldn't do, or we just have to note the differences between the, the, the two of us, okay? But respect their, their each person's model of the world. Yeah. I would An example of that I would give is, you know, your anti-fluoride patients coming in with caries. Yes, and yeah. And it's so frustrating Good for us. Uh, yeah. To, to respect their version of the model of their model of the world, we will be more effective with that person because we will be less likely to put our model onto how we see things onto them. Thank you for that. that. Makes sense? Definitely, yeah? okay. it always is helpful to have um, something that we can compare to it in a real yeah. life setting. Yeah. Thank so you. Respect Flo. Okay. Each person's model of the world. Yeah. And that would be relevant to being with a patient or being with a team member or anybody that you you meet in life yeah now probably my strongest um presupposition that i feel has helped the best is this one okay so people are doing their best with the resources they have separate behavior from intention people are not their behaviors behavior is only what shows up at, at a particular time Right. So if we think about, and I'm just, we'll keep it really basic, but since we're on the oral Mm -hmm. hygiene topic, so a patient comes in and they don't brush their teeth, you've, or they don't clean their their mouth well. Yeah. You've spent the time educating them, you've done it, you could get quite quite frustrated. If you operate from the presupposition that actually they're doing their best with the resources that they have, and they're still not changing, then the, the clean position to be in would be they're needing more resources, they're needing something extra. Yeah. And so rather than us be frustrated. Now, a second example of that is patients often, and certainly in a dental environment, they can be nervous yeah. and they can sometimes, they, the behaviour that they exhibit is not them. The behaviour that they exhibit is really just um what shows up at that time it's uncharacteristic because their nerves can take over i think we can all relate to seeing that and people patients say it as well and we're conscious aren't we of that so yeah yeah that's such a nice yeah and it's just you know that that is not defining them which means that every time you engage with that patient repeatedly yes then every time you engage with that patient you, the, what's happened in the past, you've left it in the past because you're not remembering the behaviour. Yeah, yeah. So for, for, for us to be uh, for us to be effective and it caused to help our patient, yeah. we need to not have that past bad experience cloud our mind because we 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 bring that up, which leads me to the third presupposition. Right, is that you cannot not communicate. You cannot not communicate. Even if you think, oh, that patient was horrible to me the last time or they, you know, they did yeah, this or yeah, yeah. whatever it may be, and you might consciously say, um, well, that's okay, I'm, I'm, you know, it's showtime, we'll, we'll, we'll start a new appointment together, we'll, we'll move on. Even though you're trying to do that, you will probably leak. You will, you, you, there'll be something in your body language or your facial expression or something yeah. that the patient picks up, and it's all unconscious, yeah. that they will pick it up from the experience that they had with you the last time. Yeah. So you cannot not communicate. And so by entering into a meeting with that patient, or an appointment with that patient, being very clean yeah. at every appointment, you will have the best chance of being successful with that patient because you're not, you're not bringing in the negative past so essentially, just from listening to you, I'm understanding that the NLP, these presuppositions help you to, I guess, reprogram yourself and maybe mm. go into each appointment very fresh, non-judgmental from the past. And these support your mindset in that. Absolutely. 
that's that's it in a nutshell. So so that's the I biggest thing. I want to hear bit. more, but there's <laughs> not going to be time. I know. And I know, well, obviously, but to, to understand them. Now, can I ask you, Flo, can you write these yourself or are these de- these given to you and very structured from the NLP coaching? So all they are are a list of presuppositions. It's a defined list. Right. Okay? The, you may take meaning from that differently. Good point. Um, and through the training and the coaching that you have with NLP, then I guess the presuppositions are further clarified. I guess. Um, yeah. but, but for me, they're very, very straightforward. Um, I've, I've, I've. Um, to me, they're they're just a really good. So if, if ever I'm in an environment where you know I've maybe I've maybe been in an appointment, I've done yeah. or something's just worked out. Sometimes I find it's a really good way to reflect because I think, right, where was I operating from? Because I think that's the key thing is we should always, and self-reflection is amazing. If you're able to do it, you will definitely be a better person for doing it yeah. rather than I told the patient to do that and they didn't do it. Yeah. And it just builds layers, doesn't it? And yeah. if you can... I guess, yeah, reset yourself. And like you said, if maybe you've been in a bit of the environment or the, and, and we know as treating patients, maybe, you know, a very anxious patients before we absorb those nerves and that necess- yeah. it does, it builds on us, doesn't it? And we, we naturally absorb. And I feel that's why what we do can be very exhausting at times because we are just open channels to absorb from our patients and always wanting to give. But there yes, needs to yeah. be this mindfulness, as I'm understanding from listening to you now through the NLP that can help feed what we're doing and feed the patients ultimately for the better. Yeah, and you and you 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 just touched on something there that I hadn't really thought of um, when I was thinking about this podcast is that the um you know how 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 we soak in and absorb all of the things that our patients are telling us and the negatives that we're dealing with and we can absorb that and that's another fundamental principle with the NLP um uh, presuppositions is that it helps to keep you clean. Do you understand what I mean by that? I love that term, yeah. Yeah. It keeps you clean. It keeps you out of it. You are the expert. You're the oral health expert that can help this patient. Yeah. And with good communication and asking the patient good questions, you will know which patients actually want to hear your advice and which ones don't. And so, therefore, you're able to really um, manage the energy, your energy outputs these Very patients good point. Yeah. rather than thinking that you've got to tell them all the same because that's your job you know and yeah there yeah. are legal required we've got ethical and legal duties and requirements of what we have to inform our patients of but the energy that we put into education it, 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 we would be wise for our own sanity and for our own um um energy reserves to manage those energy outputs Absolutely, Flo. And I guess an element of that also, time does come into that because if you are able to understand this, you can be more efficient maybe in your delivery and also your energy, which time is always something we're mindful of throughout appointments. So that's, I guess, something else to think about, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think... Our our time our time is precious. Patients' time is precious, and getting the most out of that time is really where our goal should be. Instead of thinking that you've got to do the very same for every single patient, it's how we get the best out of that time. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we operate from these presuppositions, it does help to reserve energy, put yourself in that cleaner position, yeah. so that you're actually able to handle and deal with what's in front of you more effectively. Yeah. Okay, I do want to ask more, but I know we don't have time, but I'm sure from the listeners, just listening to those presuppositions, you're, you're going to get an insight into maybe how you can utilize them already in practice to serve yeah. your patients and you. Now, one interesting point that I just wanted to cover that I read, obviously, in the content you sent me, there was a sentence that resonated with me. A completely different response can be triggered in 
a different individual. So basically, what I interpreted from that is you saying one, the same sentence to each person in front of you. Each person will trigger a different understanding or a different understanding will be triggered from what you're saying or how they perceive what you've said or their reaction to it. Can you go into that in a bit more detail? Of course. So, um, so if, so if, so basically, if you think of ourselves as, as the patient, or in fact, in this instance, let's just think of ourselves as ourselves. Yeah. And imagine that we are in, um, uh, engaging either with a patient or with a practice manager or with a principal or whatever the situation might be. Um, basically, Whatever that other person is telling you or saying to you or, you know, whatever the communication is, you've got lots and lots and lots of pieces of information coming in and your brain is absorbing them all. Now, in the in the mind, so we've got all these informations coming in and in the minds, we've got these filters. So we either delete, distort or generalize. So basically, if a patient never ever wants to hear about flossing. Yeah. And and you're the hygienist and you're telling the patient to floss, they're instantly making a meaning of that flossing that's completely different than the one that we're intending. So the one that we're intending is we want them to floss because we want them to get healthier, we're yes. interested in their health, their oral health and their, o- sure. their uh, oral health and their overall well being. Patient might hear, here we go again. We've got one of those hygienists telling me what to do and I've told them already that it pulls my fillings out and I'm not doing it. So they're instantly there. So the response that they, so basically they will delete, generalize or distort this information. And depending on many different things, but you could imagine that they might distort it in the sense that they feel attacked, to which case they might, the behavior that comes out might be aggression. Or zone out. Yeah, or they might zone out. They might nod like Churchill dogs and, and try and and. <laughs> We're all going to picture that, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> they, they might they might just go along with you and and try and be nice and polite. Um, but whatever happens, um, in that um, in all that, and it's so so fast. Whatever really happens, basically, information comes in. They delete, generalize, or distort. Then comes in our whole own makeup, our own values. Now, what happens really quickly, and you're talking under a second, is that patient's physiology will change. And right. so you could have, um, you know, you, you know, you know, you know, you're able to read a patient's body language or facial expression. Some people are better at that than others. Sure. Some people do it really, really much easier than others. And then from that will present a behavior. So it's almost like if so it's a bit like in education I've, I've, I've always already used the example of we might say in caries prevention we might say early we might say this we might say yeah. another word point is is that we need to get into ways of saying things but we need to be able to make sure that the patient's ready to be willing to hear it or else the, the that could trigger something different in them than what we intend i'm with you um and that that's probably the the easiest way um, that I can de- that I can describe that, but I, I, I guess maybe maybe this will help to colour in the answer that I've just given here. Yeah. So, so going back to the presuppositions. Yes. Okay. The the one about separating behaviour from intention. Behaviour only shows up and does not define the patient. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a little story around that one that I think will probably just give a better answer than the Allow one I've Allow this given. to sink in. Well, it's a very <laughs> dynamic subject. You're explaining it so well, though, because you need to listen oh, to you. all of these elements, don't you? Go for it, Flo. Yeah. Okay, so um, I was training um, uh, a dental team and we were, we, were, we were actually running an NLP um, coaching session. Right. And we we run through these NLP presuppositions and the dental therapist had said, I've got this patient coming in, she won't brush her teeth, she rolls her eyes when I'm giving her education and um, I'm dreading her coming in. 
Okay. So the patient was coming in in a week's time or something like that, but she was coming in relatively soon. So we, we kind of worked with her and we're looking at all the presuppositions. And like what I spoke about earlier, first of all, we worked on, right, how can we get you to the point of being really clean so that you're really effective and none of all this, these fears are going to be able to come in and be noticeable for this patient. And because then all we're doing, yeah, because all we're then, all she would be doing is the whole history would just be repeating itself. Absolutely. Patient comes in, they're, they're, they're nervous, they're a bit stressed, they're a bit anxious. Straight away, they're thinking she's going to speak to me about those TP brushes again, and I don't want to do them. Absolutely. The therapist, go, the therapist greets the patient from the um, from the patient area. How much and... is this resonating, listeners? I have to <laughs> carry on. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I had to say <laughs> we're familiar with this so... um, this scenario. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's happened. It happens to us all every day. So, so you you. You basically leave your room and you think, right, okay, I better go and get this patient. So you're you're trying to do your best and you you greet the patient in the in the waiting area and you put on your smile and you go, How are you today? But really the reality is you just want the patient in. You want you you're trying to think of having at least to minimize the the negative um count encounters that you might get. And you almost want the appointment over and done with. That's typically what it is. And all the while, when you're when you're operating from that, the patient's feeling it because they're they're just being put back to the previous appointment. It's all the same. So she she said we spoke about separate behaviours from attention. And I said right. So let's look at some of this patient's behaviours. What does she do? What does she say? Why do you think she might say that? What mm. are all the possible reasons that she might say that? And we don't know what they are, but we just we just opened it up. So um, she. She saw her patient, so I, I left. We, so she, I, you know, let me know how you got on. She emailed me um, a couple of weeks later, yeah. and she said that she saw the patient, and she just basically she went in with a different approach. So she never said, "How have you been using the TPs?" She never done her same same. She basically just said, "How are you? How was your work? How was this?" She just basically engaged with her and dropped a lot of the dental. Yeah, obviously she carried on with her appointment. Um. And she felt that throughout the appointment, the patient was more relaxed, which made her more relaxed of and made course, her more yeah. open to doing it. Um, and the patient left um, and thanked her for the appointment and she, and she thought, oh, that really worked. The patient then emailed the therapist to say that she really, really enjoyed her appointment today and thanked wow. her so much um, and that she was going to be working um, with the TPs because what she told her today really made sense and she understands it. And oh. she's looking forward to finding out if her mouth's improved. Wow. So that's just an example of how effective utilizing these presuppositions and NLP can help with transforming the oral health of our patients. Thanks, Flo, for Absolutely. that example. Yeah. Because we all want to do the best for our patient. We never want them to feel uncomfortable. We don't want them to feel nervous. Nope. We just want the best for them. But it's it can be, um, uh, you know, a conflict within us that we are trying to avoid that tension. And we don't yeah. want to be in that in environment where the patient's feeling nervous, knowing that they don't really want to see us. We just want them to have a positive experience. We wish to have a positive experience. And we can try and override our, I guess, our background or surrounding concerns and uh, previous worries yeah. and you know negative I guess you know subjects around or us feeling at all negative around certain topics that we bring up around oral health if it's not received well by patients so yeah I've so can I yeah can I, I think these negative things that you know you you know it's your duty to bring up but you sometimes don't get the good result yeah. they end up being a screamer in your mind and so and it just perpetuates the whole um your whole um ability to do it well in the future that's you just know? it what you've said your ability yeah. to do it well so yeah. reprogramming reprogram reprogram reprogramming reprogram. cleaning the slate and going in with fresh eyes yeah. and everything and I guess you know the more we can maybe do that in life as well the more we don't let what's happened good or you know or if it's bad yeah. it's just to you know not not impact the now 
Yes. No, we yes. let's go and fresh, which is what's and so it's a, gorgeous it's a skill, about children. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's a, oh, with your, it's amazing with your children. Yeah, it's an absolute skill, and you really need to, you know, commit to practicing. It's a bit like if you meditate. If anybody out there meditates, yeah, um, you can you can do meditation, and sometimes you're not too sure if the meditation's working or not. But if you stop meditating. Then, then you, you know, know that you've stopped, you know. So, but it does take a commitment to practice um, these things. Um, to reap but the I, benefits. I love hearing the success. Yeah, I love hearing the success stories of it. Just it, and I think really the 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 key point is is that always start with yourself. Oh, Never I, start. Yeah. So, the, the patient might be challenging. The team member might be challenging. The husband or the wife might be challenging, whatever, but start with self first. And that's where you, if you operate, start with yourself. You've done the biggest groundwork and then it's it, you, you'll have a, a, a greater chance of success um, in dealing with the potential conflict or, or whatever outcome it is you're, you're wanting to to get yeah well Flo thank you so much already I think yeah that's probably where we need to to start and I guess this can also be effective not just within our appointment settings but within the team in general you know 100% recently I recorded a, a podcast with Melanie Preble and you know we spoke about you know going to be in interviewing rather than being interviewed um yes. you know to also tailor maybe what you want within a within a practice setting to serve your patients in the best way possible from your experience etc so I guess this as well helps to shed any history or or baggage to reapproach maybe discussions with team members um about yeah. uh, improving your services and, and and always enhancing what you're doing um and it well I, I mean this yeah, I mean, is so interesting I'm a hundred percent if you if you need to go to you know if you want a pay rise or you want another piece of equipment or you want something done a better way yeah. or whatever it may be and you've maybe in the past experienced maybe not getting your own way sure. or you've maybe experienced getting some negativity from asking it if if you really plan and prepare yourself yeah first and bringing the benefits to that and really you know open it up that you know you want to have a discussion with this because you feel it will benefit the patient sure sure then there's you know there's other ways to yeah. do that but definitely and um, it really really helps and also if you do go into these discussions and it ends up negative it's i think you kind of alluded to that um just earlier is that don't come out of the meeting feeling rejected and feeling all rubbish and that it was a waste you know because actually, reprogram, you need to learn, yeah, reprogram, clean the slate, clean the slate, reboot, and then you're 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 then able to not spend too much of your own energy on, course, on something that's in the past. Not needed, is it? I know. I need to tell myself these things all the time. <laughs> oh, I want I want to learn so much more, and thank you so much for what you shared today. I mean, it's been so interesting, and I know it's only a tiny bit of the, you know, the icing on all of this subject matter. So, have you delivered any courses on this previously, Flo? Yeah, I mean, as soon as I um, as as soon as I was qualified, I was a qualified NLP coach. Um, I began to weave that into my coaching program. So with dental teams, I would sometimes deliver purely NLP training, um, and then at other times I would be using um, NLP without them knowing it, <laughs> just for to make my um, training more effective. Yeah. Um, and then of course, and now I'm using it with my role in Calcibus in helping to put the education programs together. So it, it, it's, it's something that I'm always delivering and always, always teaching. Um, but in February, so specifically for hygienists and therapists, um, I'm speaking, obviously, at the event that um, I'm doing uh, with yourself yes. um, and Melanie Preble and Elaine Tillings in it as well. So Hot Topics Study Day for Hygienists and Therapists. Um, and in that day, what I'm going to be doing is um, I'm going to be delivering a presentation um, really about NLP, about how it helps for yourself, which I think we've, we've really touched on largely today, um, with patients and with team. So we're going to look at those three elements. 
And in the afternoon, uh, we're going to be running a bit of a workshop as well, which mm. um, hopefully will be quite exciting and, and people will be able to take something substantial and concrete um, away with them. So well, yes, I'm lo- looking forward to that. I can't wait to listen to your lecture on that day and be part of the the live session in the afternoon. That's so exciting. So yeah, just to, to explain there, it's on the 29th of February, isn't it? Hot Topics um, yeah. in Hatfield. And if people are interested, um, I believe you can get the tickets there on Eventbrite and we'll share the link below. And just going back as well, Flo, to your, your um, where you studied, can we share the link as well in the buyer about the information there okay so for any listeners that are interested to maybe look at um studying nlp we'll share the links or or join join flo and myself on the hot topic study day that would be great to see you there so just before the end flo we have the smile revolution (laughs) the smile revolution fire round so I just wanted to ask you (laughs) if there was one thing that you would take away from your NLP training and take it everywhere with you, what would it be? The one thing that I would take away, I think I've already mentioned it today, but it's the the single presupposition, separate behaviour from intention because behaviour is only shows up and does not define a person. Um, anytime I'm having, you know, a potential little mini conflict with someone or something or whatever, if I tell myself that presupposition, it's not a problem. It's absolutely not a problem anymore if I just tell myself that and live and breathe. So that's my absolute, it's the thing that just made the difference of the difference for me. Well, I'm going to absorb that one too. And thank you so much for being such a brilliant guest again on the Smile Revolution podcast, Flo. It's such a pleasure to always talk with you and have you on the show. And thank you for all you've shared about NLP and the content you've worked on with the listeners today. That is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me again, Victoria. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it, rate it and leave a review. I can't wait to learn how this recording has impacted you. Don't forget to take advantage of the incredible 50% off subscriber offer on the special training at the Dense Blycerona Academy on the 27th of March, 2020. Visit densepliceerona.com forward slash revolution and enter the promo code SMILE5 when you book. And lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe and follow the Smile Revolution on social media for more content. Please engage in the comment section. I will read all and respond to as many as possible. The podcast audio is available on all major platforms and video content on the podcast can now be found on the Smile Revolution YouTube channel. To stay up to date on all Smile Revolution projects, subscribe to the Smile Revolution newsletter by emailing info at smile-revolution.net stating subscribe to newsletter. Thanks so much for joining me and being part of the Smile Revolution.